Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Sometimes, honestly, it's hard to see, but we know it's there. And I just want to pray for your people right now to be encouraged. I just want to pray, Father, as they're sitting in their living rooms, they're sitting in their family rooms. I want to pray, Lord, that your word would penetrate hearts, sink into minds, and and change us from the inside out. Lord, I pray for your enablement. I pray that as I preach, I would be faithful to your word. And Lord, that you would fill me, that you would use me. I pray that you would grant me a liberty and a freedom just to preach and preach faithfully. And so go before us now as only you can go before us. And we commit this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. It has been a crazy couple weeks. And of all things, it's also an election year. And uh, so that means before we know it, we're gonna be barraged with all kinds of ads on TV and on social media, all kinds of candidates vying for our attention, vying for our support, vying for our votes and vilifying their opponents as well as promising change, change and more change. And you and I, for the most part, know there's really only one man who's the clear choice. One man who has followed through with every promise he's made, one man who has a record for bringing about change, and one man who can make humanity great again. And he's not represented by an elephant or a donkey, although he does ride one into town. The clear choice is not a Republican. It's not a Democrat, but a theocrat. Because the best rule is when God rules. And God's people were casting their vote for Jesus by the thousands. His campaign kicked off on all days, Palm Sunday, so to speak. Shouts of praise and palm branches were being laid at his feet, and today is Palm Sunday. It's the commemoration of what God did, coming as King of Kings into Jerusalem, celebrating the beginning of Passion Week, named for the passion with which Jesus offered himself. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the account recorded in the book of John. Turn to John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, we're going to see this passage as we continue in our series, Not Afraid. And we've learned that we don't need to be afraid because God will provide. And we don't need to be afraid because God is in control. And much of the world is afraid. And I want to encourage you to listen to those previous messages as well as today's message. Not Afraid, why? Because we worship the king. And I just want you to behold his majesty. I want you to dwell on the person of our Lord. And let's put aside the cares. Let's put aside the problems of this world. And let's just dive into scripture. And let God's word speak. John chapter 12. Starting in verse 12. On the next day the large crowd who had come to the feast... When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees, went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. 
these things his disciples did not understand at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. So the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify about him. For this reason also the people went and met him because they had heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees who were beside themselves said to one another, you see that you're not doing any good? Look, the world has gone after him. The world has gone after him. And that is our prayer. We need to worship the king. And the first thing that we're gonna learn from this passage is this. Worship the king, you are not alone. And I know it may feel like it. You're sitting in your house, some of you, you're alone. And you're missing loved ones. You're missing your church family. Can I tell you something? I am missing you. I miss you and I love you and it is very hard to speak to a camera. <laughs> I know you're on the other side, but, but I miss you. And uh, I know it may feel like we're alone. It, it may look like you're alone. You may be gathered just with a few people, maybe a pet, but you're not alone. A as a matter of fact, if you're on Facebook Live right now or some platform that is interactive, I, I want to encourage you who are alone. And I want you at home to encourage those who feel like they're alone. So right now, if you're on an interactive uh, face uh, right, right now, interactive Facebook or, or one of those platforms, I just want you to introduce yourself. Just write your name out, type it out, and tell people, you're not alone, I'm here with you. And by the way, if you do feel alone, if you're feeling alone right now, why don't you just share that? I wanna encourage you just to share your name and say, would you pray for me? I feel alone. Because I want you to know you are not alone. Um, I, I wanna assure you that you have never seen a crowd like the one you and I are a part of right now. Last week's gathering online, I, I talked to Pastor Andrew and, and Eric Coleman and they told me that multitude, thousands upon thousands and thousands we're watching in entirety along with us, worshiping with us, learning with us. And that's not counting the many more thousands that tuned in at different times during that time. And this isn't the counting the millions of Christians who, who are all over the world worshiping on multiple online platforms through all kinds of different churches and ministries. I want you to understand God in his sovereignty has unleashed an online army Thousands upon thousands and thousands of pastors sharing the name of Jesus online. I'm just one little pastor out of thousands and thousands and thousands. I want you to understand, no one draws a crowd like Jesus today. And no one drew a, a, a crowd like Jesus then. John chapter 12 verse 12. On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him. Next day, what does that mean? I want you to understand the context here. The next day meant he had left the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. And there was a large crowd that had gathered outside of their home. See, they had gathered because they wanted to see Jesus and they wanted to see Lazarus, who he had raised. And so now what you have is you have the convergence of two large crowds. So you have this river of people flowing out of Bethany following Jesus, 
flowing into an ocean of people flowing out of Jerusalem coming to see Jesus. So you have this incredibly large crowd of lots of people. And and bunches of people are already in Jerusalem because the town during Passover grew by three to four times the population is what most historians estimate. So whatever town you're a part of, imagine your town tripling in size or quadrupling in size. So if you're a town of 50,000 people, imagine it for two weeks, it becomes 150,000. Or if you live in a town of 500,000, imagine it becoming 1.5 to 2 million people in two weeks time. You may say, well, why so many people? It's the Passover feast. What is Passover? Most, most Christians know this, but, but maybe some of us have forgotten. Passover is the commemoration of God's deliverance from Egyptian slavery. It was when the Hebrews put the blood on the door frame of their homes and the death angel passed over, sparing the firstborn's lives. And those who believed, the Hebrews who believed and applied the blood were saved so much great pain and incredible loss and death. And little did they understand right now, the Lamb of God has arrived on the scene and he is is riding into Jerusalem. And it's his precious blood that is gonna be spilled. And it's belief and the application of what he has done that saves us from our sin and saves us from eternal death. And so you need to understand this, you who are watching at home, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus, he is the lamb of God that was slain. He is the one whose blood must be applied to your life so that that the death angel, eternal death, will pass over you. And, And I just want to encourage you That's what it means to become a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. Not going to a church, but coming to faith in Jesus and placing your faith in the one who died for your sins. And so we worship the king and we understand we're not alone. Now we're gonna see specific ways that we can worship the king. And the first one after not alone is this, actively. I believe we're called to worship the king actively. In other words, active participation is what we're supposed to have and what we're supposed to do. And and you may say, well, that's kind of hard to do. I'm sitting at home today. I'm stuck at home. I'm quarantined. You know, we can still have active participation in our worship. We can still be physical with it. You know, people at political rallies get actively involved. They shout and they holler and they wave signs supporting their candidate. I want you to understand the Jews were rallying to their candidate on Palm Sunday. And they weren't waving signs, they were waving palm branches. And you may say, well, I've never understood what this means. Why are the Jews waving palm branches and why are they putting palm branches down in the road? What did it symbolize? What did it mean? Well, it symbolized the hope of the nation of Israel. So you need to understand something about the history. Jews waved palm branches at the rededication of the temple in 164 BC. They waved palm branches uh, when they gained their full independence in 141 BC. Their coins were even minted with palm branches, making a statement to to Rome uh, about their, their liberty is what they wanted and believed in, victory. Palm branches were symbols of victory. And and this is how they saluted their conquering king and pledged their support to their liberator. And they expected Jesus to be the Messiah 
who would bring victory over the Romans. This is what they failed to realize. They failed to realize that Jesus' fight wasn't with Rome. His fight was with sin. They failed to realize that his fight wasn't for freedom from oppression. His fight was for freedom from our transgressions to save us. And so what I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to wave your palm branch. Wave it away. Because if if you're a believer, you have been set free from sin. The king has liberated you from sin. And he rode into Jerusalem that day with his eyes fixed on the cross to set you free from your sin. And you may say, well, I can't wave a branch. Well, then hang a branch. Something we've been doing in our church, and I would encourage you at home to do the same thing, is, is get some greenery. Make it a public display. Uh, put it on your door. Uh, show some spiritual solidarity with other believers. Uh, declare that we rally to Jesus, the one who has set us free from our sins. And here, here's some pictures of some doors of people in our church. You know, different, different doors. Here's one above the door. Here's one with some greenery on the door. Here's one with a sign also from the church in front of the door as well as greenery. Here's one with fresh cut branches off a neighbor's tree. No, not a neighbor's tree. But don't, you don't have to be fancy. But you know what? Maybe that's something physical you can do. Get the kids together. And, 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 and whether it's handmade or artificial or you go pick something up at Walmart, you know, when you're out grocery shopping, whatever it is, whether it's snipping a, a house plant, you, you know, just get mom's permission first. And, and by the way, we even have people at the church that donated branches here and, and palm, uh, palm leaves. You can swing by, by Harvest New Beginnings if you live in this area. But, but let's make our worship physical. The other thing they did is they made their worship verbal. Verse 13, they began to shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. There was no holding back their praise. Don't hold back your praise. There's no shame in the name above all names. So right now, this is what I want you to do. Right now in your room, whether you're by yourself, whether you're with your family, I want you to shout this out. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Say it with me, shout it out. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now you may be by yourself and the cat's there. Yell it at the cat. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Look at one of your relatives and yell it at him. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, that's one of the things I miss about not hearing you and seeing you here at church is your your songs of praise listening to you lift high the name of Jesus. I wanna wanna challenge you to be determined in your worship and to be focused in your praise. When we gather back together as a church, I want you to be determined in your praise. Whether you like a song or whether you know a song or not, all that matters is that we are focused on the King and he is worthy of our praise. Now, you may say, well, what were they shouting? They were shouting scripture. Psalm 118.25, it's part of the halal. It was sung every single morning at the temple during some of the feasts. Hosanna, what does it mean? It means save now. Save, I pray. Hosanna, blessed is he. Meaning Jesus, you are the blessed one. You have the divine calling 
of God upon your life. You have the favor of God resting on you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is God's son, God's representative. He comes as God's messenger, speaking on behalf of the Father. And he comes as a servant of God, and he comes to save us. And so worship the king. You're not alone. Worship actively. Next, worship confidently. Jesus is the divine fulfillment of God's will and God's word. Prophecies uttered thousands of years beforehand are perfectly fulfilled in Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus fulfills upwards of 400 prophecies to a T in scripture. And he fulfills 32 different prophecies during Passion Week alone. So I want you to be confident of two things. I want you to be confident in the divine word of God and the divine son of God. That's why we read in John chapter 12, verse 12 and 16. Jesus finding a young donkey sat on it as it is written. Then they remembered that these things were written of him. So he's the prophetic fulfillment of many prophecies, including Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You may say, I I don't get this. Why, of all animals, is Jesus riding a donkey? This is not very dignified, not very stately. Uh, This is not a picture of power. It's not very impressive. Why a donkey? Because it's a subtle subtle hint that you're supposed to vote Democrat. No, that's not what it means. I can see death stares coming through the camera right now. Biblical times, kings rode on donkeys. Donkeys spoke of peace, gentleness. It was a display of humility and meekness. Jesus didn't come to make war, but to bring peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He came to bring peace between sinful, depraved, wicked humans and a holy, holy God. I could not be at peace, and you cannot be at peace unless Jesus was the mediator between God and man to bring peace, to die for my sins and to die for your sins. He came to bring peace. He's the fulfillment of scripture. Now, not everyone recognized what was going on, including his disciples, right over their head. John chapter 12, 16, these things his disciples didn't understand at first. And they're living with Jesus day in and day out for three years. And they're sitting under the direct teaching of Jesus for three years, which teaches us something. Just because you're close to God doesn't mean you always understand the plans of God. Just because you're close to God doesn't doesn't mean you always understand the plans of God. Some steak is hard to chew, hard to digest. And some spiritual truth is hard to understand. It's hard to comprehend. And you and I are no different than these disciples. Same thing is true in our lives. There are things we don't seem to understand. And there are some things we will not understand this side of heaven. 
So, so what do we do in those times? Let me just speak to you right now where you may be practically. There are some things that have happened in your life you just don't understand. You don't understand why you've lost that loved one. You don't understand why you've lost that job. You don't understand why God's allowing you to struggle right now. You don't understand. We practice the wisdom of Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. This is a time where we, we trust in the Lord with how much of our heart? All of our heart. And we don't lean on our own understanding. And just in all of our ways, we acknowledge him because he's gonna make our path straight. We're gonna be able to look back one day and see how it all came together. Verse seven, many people leave out, but it's just as important. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't pretend that you can figure this all out. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So don't give in to the temptation to be bitter at God and angry at God and, and go off in some kind of sin. Focus on living for God and living a godly life. There are a couple things that help the disciples understand what was going on in the life of Jesus that didn't seem to make sense to them. Two things, look at John chapter 12, verse 16. These things his disciples did not understand at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that he had done these things. So they needed to see the glory of God the resurrected savior, and they needed to remember the word of God. So the glory of God shed light. And again, some things we won't understand this side of heaven, not until we see the glorified king of kings with our own eyes. And the spirit of God gives us perfect understanding. So not only the glory of God that sheds light, but the word of God sheds light. They remembered that these things were written. Hey, right now, we got a lot of time on our hands. And a lot of people are filling their minds with a lot of brainless entertainment. I want to encourage you to start diving into the word of God like you've never dove in the word of God before. I want to encourage you, read a proverb every day. Just read a proverb, proverb one all the way through, one a day. I want to encourage you to, to read scripture, to study scripture, to do Bible studies. I want to encourage you to fill your mind with, with life-encouraging and life-enriching truth that is in the word of God. I, I want to encourage you to take the advice of the pillow guy. <laughs> you might say, who in the world's a pillow guy? I didn't know either. His name is Mike Lindell, and he was asked to share at a White House briefing about his company. This pillow guy, his company is transitioning to make 50,000 N95 face masks a day for healthcare workers, and he went totally off script at the White House press briefing. And I quote, this is what he said. God had been taken out of our schools and lives. A nation had turned its back on God. And he said this, I encourage you to use this time at home to get back in the word, read our Bible, and spend time with our families. Great advice. Let's do it. And then he even mentioned praying daily to get us to a place of strength. So do that. Start praying Start reading the word of God. And by the way, I know where I'm buying my next pillow. All right, so worship the king. You're not alone. Worship actively. Worship confidently. Here's the fourth one. Worship fearlessly. John quotes this portion in the prophecy of Zechariah 9 in John 12, 15. He says, fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming. 
In other words, there's nothing to fear when you know the king. There is no one to fear when you worship the king. God's people then need not fear. He says, daughter of Zion. This is a poetic description of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And these would be very soothing words for oppressed people under Roman rule. See, see, Israel was in constant fear of foreign powers and not much has changed. Israel still lives in fear as they're surrounded by enemies. God's people then need not fear. God's people now need not fear. Don't fear. I know you've lost that job, but don't fear. I know you might lose that job, but don't fear. I know you're afraid of losing your home. Don't fear. I know you're afraid of getting sick. Don't fear. I know you're afraid of losing a loved one. Don't fear. I know you're afraid of death. Don't fear. And next week we'll see why on that. As believers, we need not fear. Need not fear. Last two weeks we've been learning this. We need not fear because God does provide. Because God is control. And because we do worship the king. What I want to do right now is I just want to give you some scriptures. I just want to give you some encouraging promises in God's word. The first one is found in Matthew 6. Do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? We saw this passage two weeks ago. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things. What's our responsibility? Don't worry. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. You just focus on your relationship with God and keep seeking him. And then he says this, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So take one day at a time and you focus on your relationship and living a righteous life. Why live a righteous life? Psalm 37, 25. I've been old or I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. A righteous life God promises will be taken care of. And everything happening in our world and everything happening in our nation right now maybe has shaken you to the core. And God has gotten your attention. Because you've not been living a righteous life. And you know it. And God has gotten your attention about recommitting to him and living for him, confessing those sins to him. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God uses pain to get our attention. He's yelling at the world. And he may be yelling at you. And he may be saying, do I have your attention? I want you to live a righteous life. I want you to know my son is your savior. I want you to understand I will forgive your sins. Pain is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Another promise we see is in Hebrews 13. 
being content with what we have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you. I'll never abandon you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And so maybe he's teaching us now's a good time to practice contentment. To understand the difference between needs and wants. To be content in all things. And that he's never going to abandon us. And that we have nothing to fear. He is our helper. And then, of course, the great promise of Romans chapter 8, 28. We know that God causes how many things? All things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so this is a time to trust the goodness of God. The same goodness we sang about before I started preaching. Remember the chorus? All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And so we sing it because we believe it. And so replace your fear with adoration. Replace that fear with worship. And focus on the King of Kings. And it's mentioned twice. John 12, 13 and 15. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming. Jesus is Israel's rightful king. The royal blood of David uh, runs through his veins, and Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one, and Jesus, Jesus fully accepts this title and this praise as he goes into Jerusalem. And he's fully worthy of this title and this praise. But he will be rejected by the nation that day. But he will be a fully accepted as king one day. And you need to understand something. The king is coming back. And it's only a matter of time. And he won't be riding on a gentle donkey. He's going to be mounted on a war horse. We're told in the book of Revelation chapter 19. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and he wages war. In verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword and so that with it he will strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He came once, he's coming back. Be ready, the king is returning. Worship the king. You're not alone. Worship him actively and confidently and fearlessly. And one last thing, worship him triumphantly. Worship him like you're on the winning team. Be a true fan. True fans speak up. True fans, if you're a true fan, true fans never stop talking about their team. True fans never stop bragging on their star player. True fans forever celebrate past championships. I have a friend, Carlo Calissimo. He posted a picture on Facebook yesterday. Uh, uh, There it is, okay? Chris Bryant up at bat. And then he had this comment underneath of it. Greatest game ever played is on Fox Sports. And then an additional comment. I could watch this all day. Cubs World Series, Wednesday, November 2nd, 2016, Game 7, goes 10 innings, they win 8-7. True Cubs fans, you can't shut them up. True Green Bay fans, 
I wish I could shut them up. (laughs) True fans, they never shut up. But not all are true fans. Remember the Golden State Warriors? Me neither. (laughs) A lot of people got on that bandwagon. Injuries, losses piling up. Where are those fans? Many of them, they're gone because they weren't true fans. Let me ask you, are you a true fan, a true follower of Jesus? Are you just a bandwagon Christian? Maybe God is getting a hold of you and he's getting your attention and he's saying, I want you to understand what it means to follow me when things are good and when things are bad. See, he's testing the kind of soil that you are. There's a parable in scripture that talks about four kinds of soil and only one soil is the good soil. And God wants to know if you're good soil. And the good soil produces fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. God wants to know if you're a true fan, a true follower, or if you're just a bandwagon fan. See, people were excited about Jesus and some were sincere that day and some were not. In John chapter 12, Verse 12 and 17 and 18, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming, how did they hear? Somebody's talking, some true fans. Verse 17, so the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify. Who? Somebody's talking. They're testifying. The true fans. Verse 18, for this reason also the people went and met with him, because they heard somebody's talking. They heard that he had performed this sign. So start talking, true fans. Start talking, true followers. Start sharing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and start spreading the name of Jesus faster and quicker than any virus could ever spread. Start talking about his teaching. Start talking about his miracles. That's what's going on here. People are talking about the one who calms the sea, the one who walks on water, The one who casts out demons, legions of them. The one who multiplies loaves and fish and feeds thousands. He commands the blind and the deaf and the crippled to be healed. He touches lepers in their disease and heals them. He forgives prostitutes and adulterers of their sin. He takes precious children in his arms and he blesses them. And he calls forth the dead from the grave. Lazarus, come forth. That's why we read in verse 17, the people who are with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify about him. Start talking like you're a true fan. Start acting like you're a true follower and tell people about Jesus and tell people he raises people from the dead. Yes, He's going to do that with every single person that has ever lived on this planet. He's going to raise their bodies from the dead. John chapter 5, 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. That's the voice of Jesus. And will come forth, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. It is not their deeds that save them, It is the deeds that teach us who the true believers are. There will be two resurrections, a resurrection to life and a resurrection to judgment. And I want you to understand though, this is a future resurrection of the dead. He still raises the dead today. He raised me from the dead and he raised millions like me from the dead. Colossians 2.13 
when you were dead in your transgressions, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of our, for, uh, having forgiven all of our transgressions. I was raised from the dead. I was living in sin, living for myself, apart from God, dead. And he breathed life into me. Ephesians chapter two. You were dead in your, trans, your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. We used to live for the world. We used to live like the world. Verse three, among them we too all formally lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest, but God. But God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Some of you watching right now, you're dead. You're dead in your sin. You're indulging the lust of the flesh. And, and you, you're living in the sins of the world. And I want you to understand, you're dead in your sins and transgressions. And there is a God who loves you and he will forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. He will breathe life into you so that you will have life. He tells us in John 10, 10, that he's come to give life and life abundant. Life that, that is truly filled with meaning and purpose now and life that is eternal as well. That life can be yours. And I just want to encourage you to call out to the Lord and ask him to save you. Ask him to forgive you. And ask him to give you life. Speak up. Speak up you who are on the winning team. And make sure you're on the winning team. Look at our very last verse. John 12, 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you're not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. Do you see their utter frustration? They're just mumbling one another, these, these religious leaders. These religious leaders. Nothing they try works. Please understand this. Their offense can't score against Jesus. Their defense can't hold back Jesus. They say, you see, you're not doing any good. Every move the world makes against God is ultimately ineffective. Every move the world makes against God ultimately is used against them. Proverbs 21:30. There's no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel against God. Listen, Christian, you can't lose when you're on God's team. Even if it looks bad, it looked really bad for Jesus come the cross. Everything is ineffective. God uses everything for his glory. You who are not on God's team, listen, you're on the losing team. God never loses. There's no wisdom against him. There's no understanding against him. There's no counsel against the Lord. And by the way, this is true of the church, Christian. It can't be stopped. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's gonna keep building his church. And like I said earlier, he has just launched online evangelism across this world. These guys though, they're frustrated. Nothing they try works and it's complete exasperation. Look, the world has gone after him. Praise God for the coronavirus. 
Praise God for the coronavirus. The name of Jesus is going out farther and faster than ever before because of the coronavirus. Who would have ever thought? God uses all things together for good. The world is ripe for revival. The world has no answers to sin and suffering. Jesus is the answer to sin and suffering. Worship the king. You're not alone. Worship the king actively, confidently, fearlessly, and triumphantly. Would you pray with me right now? Let's pray. If you do not know the Lord as your savior, I want to encourage you right now to call out to God. And you may say, I don't even know what to say. Just use words like these. Lord Jesus, just call out to him. Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you please forgive me of all of my sin? I repent. I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. Thank you for facing sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I place my faith in you to save me. I place my faith in you alone to save me. I can't save myself. Please forgive me. Please save me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit at harvest.church.